Um, we are in our last Sunday of our series, Faith Grind. And this morning, I said, hey, Chris, I'm not going to be too long today. He's like, well, that doesn't matter to me. My kids aren't here. <laughs> and so now I'm going longer because Chris said that. <laughs> so you can thank Chris when your kids are like, what are we done? Um, yeah, so... Uh, Chris is just a student of the of the Lord, you know. He just wants more and more. Be like Chris. Um, thank you, Pastor Chris. Um, all right, uh, we're gonna read our scripture again. It's uh, the book of Zechariah. All right, different from the guy in the New Testament. People mix, uh, you know, Zacharias and Zechariah up all the time. Growing up, I thought they were the same person, and I'm like, he's got his book in the. Old Testament, but he's like 500 years older than that. So this is the second last book of the Old Testament, okay? And so we're going to read our scripture together. And so you can put it on the screen because I think my Bible is a different version. All right, it should be the second and third slide if there's somebody back there. I don't know. The TV's blocking their face. Magic. All right. I don't know. Anyways, I'll have to open it in my Bible. There's a glitch. There we go. All right. Verse number one. And the angel who talked with me, uh, Zechariah, came again and woke me like a man who is awakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? I said, I see and behold a lampstand all of gold with a bowl on the top of it and seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on the top of it. And there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and one on its left. Next slide. And I said, there we go. And I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know that these, what these are? I said, No, my Lord. Then he said, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, who is the, the guy, Zerubbabel and Joshua, are not like the Joshua from the beginning of the Old Testament. This is Joshua, the high priest. Okay, They're in charge of rebuilding the temple. He says, uh, Give this word to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. God, open our, our hearts to what you want to say to us this morning. Lord, may uh, this message and, and your word um, abide in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so we have Zechariah and Haggai who are called to uh, speak to Israel to encourage the rebuilding of the temple. You can uh, read back to Haggai a little bit. It's only a couple chapters long to get a bit more context. And essentially, uh, God's temple is just like sitting there and no one, you know, everybody's just trying to work for themselves and, and they're, they're not working on the temple of God. And so they sent Haggai and Zechariah to say, it's time to actually work on this thing, okay? It's time to get your button gear and make things happen because what you're doing for yourselves is not getting you anywhere. 
All right, Zechariah is, is a lot about um, obedience and, and purity, and it also in the later chapters proclaims the coming Messiah. But in the beginning, uh, Zechariah gets all these different visions, okay? And when we pick up in verse 4, or chapter 4, he's giving this uh, vision of these two olive trees uh, providing oil for the lampstand. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But they've got all these people who are just exhausted, kind of running on empty. They're just like, ah, we, they, we've, some of them maybe have given up on rebuilding the temple. But God is like, just snap out of it, all right? There's something more important than, than you. There's something more important than yourself. And they, they, they see, like, they ran into all sorts of problems. And, and you know, they, they had to make sure that some of the, the paperwork was right, the the, they, they had to do some corrections on where the funding was coming from and all sorts of stuff. And it really sounds like a lot of stuff that we deal with as, as a church. Um, work had a pause, but Joshua and Zerubbabel were picking up the work. A lot of the people were working in their own strength, and God sent a message to Zechariah to encourage Zerubbabel and say, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so, I, I think that this is, this is a verse, it's a daily reminder. Some of you might have it on your wall. Does anybody have this verse on your wall, like a plaque? Anybody? All right, well, there's an opportunity there, okay? Um, um, get out your cricket, all right. <laughs> Some of you don't know what a cricket is, but not an actual, never mind, don't worry about it. If you know, you know. Um, not by might, nor by power. God's work isn't done in our own strength. We can't advance the kingdom of God trying to figure things out by ourselves. And so sometimes it's important for us to, to pause and say, Okay, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want me to speak? What is it that you want me to do? Now, I think back to the illustration that Pastor Jason gave a few weeks ago about how he was in his office and he was working on the message and he's just like, I just need to pause for five minutes and just recognize the presence of the Lord and say, Lord, is this where you want me to go? I remember in a very similar situation, I remember doing uh, youth ministry, feeling extremely sick, and I remember going one Friday night and I'm like, Lord, I have nothing to give. Nothing. If I go up there... I'm going to throw up all over the place, and it's not going to be pretty, okay? I'll just pretend it's a youth game. No one will know. Um, but I'm like, God, I need you to do something. So as I began to work and began to interact with students and the leaders and, and began to preach, there was just like this supernatural strength that equipped me for ministry. Because if, if I didn't have that moment and if I just said, okay, I'm just, I guess I'll just like do the thing, and I guess I'll just go up there and speak and just read the, the message or whatever it was, you know, I probably would have been absolutely miserable. And yeah, I was still exhausted at the end of the night. However, God healed me in that moment and equipped me for ministry. And I think that's a miracle. But sometimes we read these stories and it makes Things look like it was easy. Because we just read it and we're just like, oh, okay, they did this and this and this and this. And then the temple was rebuilt like all these crazy things. But they would have been greatly discouraged. And I'm sure some would have given up. And I think that's what we do sometimes. We give up on God. We say, well, 
that's it. I give up. I don't feel any better. I don't feel like I'm overcoming anything at all. And the Bible mentions so many people who would relate. All you need to do is just read through the Psalms and see some of the more disparaging moments that David went through. When enemies were chasing after him, and he's like, I want all of them to be unalived. Okay? So don't get canceled on YouTube. Um, so I, I want, they, they need to go, okay? And he's just pouring his heart out in these Psalms, and he's, but in the end of it, he's always recognizing that he can't do any of this without God. I think the Psalms would, would have been like 10 chapters long if he'd just given up. He's like, well, that's David, I guess. So long. Good job, David. You wrote 10 Psalms and died. All right. But the Spirit of God kept him going. He recognized that he needed to rely on a continual support of the Spirit. We need, he, he remembered that God is faithful. It would require a work of the Holy Spirit to empower him and the uh, Israelites to keep going. They just left exile for 70 years. Now, you know, none of us have been in exile for 70 years. Um, or, you know, our people haven't. You know, but I can only imagine how painful and stressful and exhausting that would be. The Spirit gives strength and might. But also in the pain and suffering, the Spirit gives hope. Um, has anybody ever forgotten to do an oil change? You're just like, I've driven like 10,000. Who needs an oil change right now? And if, <laughs> okay, honestly, let's be honest in this room. How many of you knew you needed an oil change like 2,000 kilometers ago? And you're just like, man, one day I'll get that done. <laughs> I had this friend who just bought this car. It was her first car, right? She was one of our, our youth leaders, and uh, she's like, finally, I bought my first car, bought it off some sketchy dude in his garage, and I highly suggested that she didn't do that, but she did it anyways, and she's still here, so that's good. Um, and uh, she was driving it, and it, I think probably like four months went by, and, and she's like, man, my car is making all sorts of noise. And I'm like, maybe it was more than four months. And I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's hear how loud this car is. So she turns it on, drives it around, and it's just like so loud, you know. And uh, I'm like, yeah, that's definitely loud. Um, question for you. How many kilometers have you put on it since you've had an oil change? She's like, uh. And I look, and I'm just like, man, that's a lot. She's like, I've driven it 22,000 kilometers. And I have not gotten an oil change. And I'm like, well, oh, that's hard. Um, I'm like, you wonder why you have problems. I, I YouTubed a video. I know nothing about cars. I just know I need to get an oil change um, and check my oil every once in a while because I had a dad who generally cared about vehicles. And, and I'm like, you know what? It gets me from point eight, you know, A to B. And if it doesn't make any weird noises, I'm good. So I, I Googled or on YouTube, I'm like, Okay, um, what happens if you don't get an oil change? So I watched this guy drive his car. He drained the oil, and then he drove his car for like 15 minutes, and then everything seized, all right? Because, you know, everything in the engine is grinding against each other, and then it just shuts down. And, and then he went around and started putting oil in people's cars. Like, hey, when was the last time you checked your oil? And they're like, 
I have no clue. People don't know that they need to check their oil often, all right? And it's like you can either pay like 30 bucks for a thing of oil or you can pay 1500 for a car repair. It's pretty painful, all right? This could have gone a lot better had the oil been changed properly. Oil is required for the engine to run properly. So while I'm not necessarily comparing engine oil to the Holy Spirit, I'm saying that sometimes we forget what is necessary for us to have a healthy relationship with Jesus. If you're walking your Christian life and you are not relying on the Holy Spirit, there's a, a huge component of that relationship missing. God wants us to rely on the spirits moving in our life. It's required. And uh, so for us to have a healthy relationship with Jesus and live a life that runs the race well, relying on the supply and support of his Holy Spirit is required for this race. If we, if we want to make forward motion in God's kingdom, we need the Spirit of God. In the Bible, the Spirit is represent, represented by oil. It's a representation of oil. More so, Olive oil than anything else, you know, they're, they're, they don't have, like, oil wells that they're digging up in, you know, the Alberta of Jerusalem. I don't know. Um, you know, they're, in the, they're not powering cars or vehicles or anything like that. But they did use olive oil a lot. So here's why oil is a good representation of the Holy Spirit. Um, there is a slide in here, but I couldn't. It's a lot of text, so I didn't make a... Uh, lower third for it, so sorry, a little current, but you can listen. All right, oil lubricates when used for that purpose. There is little friction and wear among those who are lubricated by the Spirit of God. Oil heals and was used as a medicinal treatment in biblical times, Luke 10.34. The Spirit of God brings healing and restoration. Oil lights when it is burned in a lamp. Where the Spirit of God is, there is light. Oil warms when it is used as fuel for a flame. Where the Spirit of God is, there is warmth and comfort. Oil invigorates when it is used to massage. The Holy Spirit invigorates us for his service. Oil adorns when applied as a perfume. The Holy, the Holy Spirit adorns us and makes us more pleasant to be around. Ain't that the truth? Um, if you're grumpy, you need the Holy Spirit. Oil polishes when it is used to shine metal. The Holy Spirit wipes away our grime and smooths out our rough edges. It is also used to consecrate the priest for service. It is used for healing. It is used anointing for leadership. It is the Spirit who would enable uh, these um, builders to overcome the opposition to rebuilding the temple. Though knowing how the Spirit works in our lives, we can live, move, move, and breathe in the life that Christ has called us to and strengthen our faith. We are nothing without the Spirit. This church isn't built on ideas that we have on our own. It is built by the Holy Spirit speaking to us. If we are doing everything by ourselves, we're doing it wrong. If all of our ideas are just like, man, you know, I heard this from another group. These people are doing that, and it works really well in this gigantic urban city in the state, so let's just do it here. Not going to happen. All right? If we're just, like, picking ideas and throwing them down without praying about them and saying, Lord, will you bless us? We're in danger. 
The Lord wanted Zerubbabel to know that the Holy Spirit would continually supply his need, just as the oil trees in the vision continually supplied the oil to the lamps on the stand. Zechariah sees this lampstand that is continually kept burning uh, by an unlimited reservoir of oil. This picture reminds the people that it is only through God's Spirit that they will succeed, not by their own might and resources. The Spirit of God is given without measure. Human effort does not make a difference. The work of God is not accomplished in human strength. So God wants the supply and our reliance on the Holy Spirit to be continual. Number two, He is your supply. Rely on the Holy Spirit. In youth ministry and, you know, growing up, going to conferences and going to Bible college and, and you know, doing like a thousand chapel services every year. You know, back, back when I went to uh, Bible college back in the day, which, you know, seems like forever ago, um, we had President's Chapel on Tuesday and then we had chapel every day. Monday was our day off. And uh, I remember so many times people were like, you know, they tried to, uh, you know, do like longer worship services. And I remember people who were out there who just shouldn't have been up there for as long as they were, you know, um, you know, playing the keyboard. And they were um, trying to, this doesn't happen all the time, but it was obvious that when it did, they were trying to manipulate a movement of the Holy Spirit. And it scared me a little bit. Like, I remember people just like being like, come on, you know, get on your knees. And, and it was just like, if you weren't crying, it's like, you're not crying yet. And I'm like, okay, buddy, chill. All right. I don't need to be crying for the Holy Spirit to speak to me. Okay. But sometimes doing this over and over and over, like every church service has worship and there's nothing wrong. I believe God speaks in these, in these moments, but sometimes we just train ourselves to only hear based on a specific feeling. Okay? Let me explain this really quickly. And I, I touched on it a couple weeks ago when our sound was broken, and I thought that was a moment for God to, uh, to move. Because it was an opportunity for us to train our, our, our hearts to hear God without the requirement of something else. So I remember that... Growing up, it was always like we had to have the pads on, and if you don't know what the pads are, it's just like joked around about this like, oh, the spirit can't move unless the pads are on. It's just like the slight keyboard hum in the back. Maybe Chris can give you an example. Um, (laughs) All right, so, and as, you know, Chris plays some, some pads here, it's just like the... You know, some people joke around, it's like it's the Holy Spirit hum, right? And it drastically changes the atmosphere of the room. And I had trained my brain um, subconsciously to only feel this move of the Spirit during this time. There we go. Oh, Holy Spirit's here. (laughs) Man. (laughs) Waters of refreshing. Um, And so... It was, but like this actually happened. And realistically, I think that 
while I had trained my brain to only feel God during these times, I had also inadvertently set myself up for failure. Because what happened was, I would go through these quote-unquote dry seasons, and the whole time, like when God sends you, when you're anointed to go, when, you, when, when God moves in your life, he says all the time in the Bible, he's like, I am with you. It's like, did, did I ever like leave you? Did you like suddenly say, okay, well, I don't feel like God's with me, and so he must not be. I think it's okay to have that feeling, but I think we need to train ourselves to say, you know what? God is with me at all times. And it's easy to deceive ourselves into chasing a feeling after, than chasing God. And so when I made this realization, it's, it's like I knew God was with me the whole time, but it made worshiping without outside requirement so much easier. It's like, have you ever just tried to sit there and do nothing for like five minutes in silence? It's, it's really hard for me. It's extremely difficult. But I've tried to make a, a practice of every once in a while, I'll just, I'll just sit there and just say, Lord, I just, I've shut the music off and I just need you. I just need to recognize that you're here with me. And, you know, I'm not shaming uh, music at all because I think it's extremely important. It's very, very biblical. But we can't just chase the spirit based on outside circumstance. He's going with us. He is here with us. He wants us to rely on him as his full, as our full supply. God is not limited by the music. You know, I'll be honest, I'm just, like there are times even as a pastor where I'll be at a youth conferences, youth conferences and I'll look at our students and I'm like, oh, no one's crying. God didn't do anything. And I'm like, that's, that's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous to say because I don't know what the Spirit of God is doing in the lives of these students. I just need to be obedient, all right? This book is also about obedience. The Spirit of God has no limits. And because of the work of Christ, we are able to access Him at all times. In the first century, the Romans uh, celebrated both the Olympic Games and the Isthmian Games. I'm butchering that name. It's like an I-S and then a T-H, and I'm just like, it's, it's confusing because there's a, it's like they're forcing you to lisp. Anyways, <laughs> why do they got to do that? Competitors would spend up to 10 months in arduous physical training. Because the Corinthians were very fam familiar with these events, Paul used the games as an analogy for a believer's life of faithfulness. He wrote the church in Corinth saying, do you not know that in a race... All the runners run, but only one gets the prize. And then he says this. He says, run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. This is the grind that we're talking about. They do it to get a crown that will not last, 
but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Paul's exhortation is that believers should be as focused and dedicated as those ancient runners in the games. Our motivation is in serving Christ is much higher. We run not for a temporary crown, but an eternal one. Philippians 1.19, Paul is saying this. He says, For I know that as you pray for me, and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. I added a little emphasis in a different way. I'm going to repeat again. Uh, For I know that as you pray for me, and as the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. Paul had this this key, this principle that he lived on, is that the Holy Spirit's help was continuous. The Spirit worked continuously to be his sustenance, to be his supply. He knew that he couldn't... uh, be effective in his ministry without a continual supply of the Holy Spirit in his life. Can you imagine the the pain and the suffering Paul went through and no much like David without the Spirit's sustenance and supply where we would be today? Would he be writing? Would, would, Would he be encouraging Would he be an example of what it looks like to follow Jesus? I don't know. But the way Paul lives his life required a daily working of the Holy Spirit. Total reliance. He's like, you need to practice this every single day. Train your heart, train your mind to recognize that it is not on your own strength. It is is not on your own might, but it is by his Spirit. It is only by the Lord's Spirit that His plans will come to pass. It is not on our own strength that we can build this church. And we make plans here and there, but if we're not listening and leaning into what the Spirit of God is saying and doing, we will miss out. That's why it's important that each of us recognize the continual supply, much like Paul, the continual supply of the Holy Spirit. Opposition will come. Hard times will come. Rely on the Spirit. Temptation will come to figure things out your own way. Rely on the Spirit. And you say, well, things are going extremely well. All right? You know, I got a gigantic box of Lego the other day. Things are awesome for me and Benji. Things are well. What else do I need? But Lego. If things are going well, then thank God for his provision and ask for the Spirit's leading in all things. What, and I, I love this question, I say it all the time, what is the Holy Spirit asking of me today? Maybe that's the first question. Maybe you set a reminder on the phone, you know, that, that'll go the second you wake up or maybe after you've had your coffee. What is the Holy Spirit asking of me today? Where is the Holy Spirit going to lead me today? Let's just stand in here. That's been all a little current. And if you're online and you're at home, feel free to stand too.
let's just, uh, just for a moment, let's position ourselves before God. Before the school year starts, and before we go on with our long weekend plans, let's just ask the Holy Spirit to fill us today. Holy Spirit, we come before you. We, we recognize that it is not by might or by strength, but by your Spirit, God, that we live and move and, and breathe. And Lord, there might be times where we need to do some rebuilding in our own life, where things are falling apart and we just don't have the energy to muster together, but it is by your Spirit. It is your spirit that gives us the strength. Lord, maybe there's just something that we're just really struggling with. Maybe there's, there's a, an addiction that, that we need to stop or whatever it is, Lord. We've tried absolutely everything. May we come to you and recognize it's by your spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you today. I pray that you would lead us you would guide us, Lord. I pray that you would just pour your spirit on each and every one of us and empower us for the work of the kingdom. Lord, we thank you, God, that we just get this opportunity. Lord, and we, we take this moment to recognize how small we are and how great you are. Lord, we love you. Well, we, we know, God, that Lord, there are even greater things that are going to be done. But, Lord, we don't get to see those things unless we rely on the Spirit of God. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would help us on a daily basis to trust in the Spirit's leading every single day. Lord, when we go to work, lead us. Lord, when we're at home with family, lead us. Lord, when, when we fall hard, may we not be held by shame and guilt, but Lord, may we be freed by the Spirit of God to recognize our identity in Christ. Lord, I, I pray, God, that you would Remind us that we are marked by the Spirit of God. Lord, we are yours. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. Lord, as we worship just one last moment, God, just help us to position ourselves before you into the Spirit's leading. In Jesus' name. Let's just sing once more.